Welcome to Aww Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yes! Yeah! We're starting a, a fresh, a fresh book in the world of Hellboy. We've touched on him a little bit. He's yeah. been in like, he's, um, he's been present with us since the wake, wake the devil days. However... Um, he's sort of been in shadow. We didn't really have a name for him. Then in the first Abe Saving the Drowning, he he kicked off that storyline um, to sort of get the story going. Um, though we've definitely read a little short introduction of him with murderous intent. But today we're kicking off for the first time ever a full-fledged witch finder. Woo! <laughs> it's cool. I liked these first two a lot. Like I was um like we were both kind of talking about how much it's just like a more verbose kind of co- comic than Hellboy typically is. So it, it's like a lot to get across. I'm sure it's because we're also like early in the in this character's story. So there's a lot to tell us about him and just the style of it. It's like, a you know, just straight up like a more English detective kind of kind of stuff. Yeah, it was totally. really fun to read, though. It was like so, you know, it's just not my I like I never really like read Sherlock Holmes or anything like that. So I it just wasn't like of particular interest to me, but I did enjoy it a lot. I'm I'm with you there. And to add to that, I'm going to go to the uh, I'm going to also reference the foreword that's in part of the omnibus um, for this collection. Yeah, because to add to that, I think I. I agree 100%. I think in the middle of when I started reading this for the show, I think I texted you. I maybe was like halfway through the first issue and I texted you, Kate. I was like, I was not ready for how wordy this book was. <laughs> and I meant it as a joke and like being very blunt about it. I just wasn't ready for it. But I do want to like when you say verbose, it's not a bad thing. I think these it's it's the world he's wanting to develop. Mignola, yeah. like the world he wants to play with as English sort of occult detective world, it's going to be more verbose. It's not going to be like the, like the uh, more uh, hard boiled sort of Hellboy world. Right. Yeah. Where it's like a character with few words to say, no, he's living in a world where like everybody sort of politely says a lot and probably has little undertones to it. <laughs> I liked the banter in it and stuff. I guess, you know, I sort of lately we've been watching a lot of Agatha Christie's Perot. Oh. Which is like um like a Belgian detective but yes. solving crimes in England and stuff. Yeah, so it's I like guess what, that's he's like the same detective in a murder on Orient Express and correct. Oh cool. Oh cool. I, I liked the 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 depiction of the character from like the British television show. Um I'll have to find out the actor's name. But I thought he did a great job. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. And also with you, like, I never have really officially read, like, a full Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. The foreword, this is what um, Mignola, because I want to say, like, he references things that I've never read. So I'm I'm going in fully not, like, a fan. And I say fan just because I've just never read this stuff or saw it Right, like, we don't have, like, a deep background with um, this genre, I guess. Yes. And I love that he he kicks off this foreword. Uh, by saying, as a parent, I know I'm not supposed to have favorites, but can't help it. Next to Hellboy, Ed Gray is probably my favorite of the Hellboy universe characters. And he's all like, but right now he might be tied with Kostje, the, the Deathless. But 
Ed came first. <laughs> but then he goes on to just like references like reading Jack. Dracula's like probably the closest thing that he's referenced that I've actually read, like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Which is, oh yeah, it's definitely in the vein, but I feel like he referenced these other writers in here of like, he says, uh, I have a particular love for the old occult detectives, Van Helsing, of course, though he really wasn't much of a detective, Karnacki, Flaxman Lowe, Almer Vance, Francis Chard, John Silence. These are characters that I've never heard of, never read. I'm just mm -hmm. putting that out there. Yeah. <laughs> same. I'm in the same boat. Like, I, I'm like, oh, great. Good. Uh, who? Yeah. And I think, yeah, like, the only difference is, like, Sherlock Holmes, because of other media I know about, and they're in the same vein, the difference yeah. is Sherlock Holmes usually is up against villains who who cleverly make their like crimes look like a cult. Whereas what he seems to be referencing is like detectives are actually dealing with true occult things like monsters, vampires, ghosts, you know, versus Ho Sherlock would probably bump up against like, Oh, it's supposed to be the, this hound, this demon hound. And it's like, no, it actually is just a real dog. That's big. And somebody has been <laughs> plodding along. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, for what we're going to find out, fucking Sir Edward Grey, witch fighter, is definitely dealing with the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's cool. And I mean, maybe one day I'll pick those up if somebody like refers to me to like a specific storyline. Yeah. But it's like, I'm probably not going to go digging. I'm just I'm just putting that out there. I'm just probably not going to go dig unless yeah, someone gives yeah. me one to read. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. We're on the same boat with this shit. Okay, totally. good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it as well. So Yeah, I still really liked it. It's like, if anything, this kind of made me be like, oh, okay, I'd be more open and more receptive to like a suggestion like that. I'm not yes. against it. Oh, 100% not against yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we'll get to it, but like I, the art, it really adds. I think Ben Stenbeck is like the right choice to ground this into that sort of English world. Yeah, the art was really cool. Yeah. But we'll get into that into detail because, you know, we don't have any segments. We're just, we're getting into the story of Let's In do the it. Service of Angels. Hell yeah. Oh so, yeah, I'll give you a little rundown here. Right. Um. So In service in the Service of Angels, written by Mike Mignola. Illustrated by Ben Stenbeck, as you said. Colored by Dave Stewart. Lettered by Clem Robbins. Edited by Scott Alley. And this was published between July and November of 2009. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the... Should we talk about these covers, too? Yeah. I mean, this it's interesting. This first cover is so, like, just grabs your eye because it has a giant demon monster right front and center. Yeah. <laughs> a nice big Hellboy thing, uh, like... With like, you know, a monster with like a big barrel chest, big ass hands, <laughs> stumpy nose, and like some uh, on in in a in like a like you know variation of the tusk. Instead, we have these sort of like bat like lower teeth, which I thought were cool. Yeah, and we'll I think we'll see why they're sort of bat-like, like proto-bat-like. We'll see as the comic unfolds. Yeah, and we have Edward Gray in the foreground holding uh, some sort of Hyperborean weapon. We've seen like similar weapons recently in BPRD. Yeah, it's it's almost directly related to the, the monks that were just fighting in our last storyline. Yeah. The Black Yeah, we goblins. have like the forked blade, like two-sided blade here. Yeah, like cool sculptures behind him, like pockmarked. They look like very old, like hammered or chiseled. Yeah. 
pretty cool. Edward Gray has like looks so sad almost like <laughs> yeah. he's so stoic and concerned. I think you pointed that like major characteristic of his in our first like storyline that brief murderous intent. Mm-hmm. You you pointed that out of like him being very stoic and sort of he's like a, a man very feels like a very private man and it's probably who knows what he sacrificed to be able to be like I mean I'm 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 taking a leap here but it feels like that's part of maybe if you choose to be like a detective or be part of a world that's like outside of our realm yeah. it's like there might be some sacrifice that comes with that just to to yourself I guess Oh, yeah. And he's, you know, he's he's just like weary looking. And then you see his reactions when people on the street recognize him, which happens like fairly frequently. And he's <laughs> clearly like distressed by that. He's like, oh, like, don't call me witch finder, you guys. But, you know, instead he just keeps it that all inside. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. Let's get to it. Yeah, we have like a foggy, sooty, smoky, kind of like London gray landscape here, you know, the cityscape with all the like chimneys puffing out smoke. It's like the opening of a Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. (laughs) Truly my favorite uh, story set in England. (laughs) Mine. (laughs) Yeah. So good. Uh, Yeah, London 1879. We see some police investigating a murder there's a body that's been drained of all of its blood even though it's been ripped apart and like there's shards of glass all in it and it's it should by you know based on the injuries there should be blood everywhere and that's what they kind of keep talking about yeah edward gray approaches and you know the crowd is murmuring witch finder and he's like just looking over his shoulder like a shit. They don't have a lot of respect for him, these, these like bobbies. They straight up say like call him Mr. High and Bloody Mighty. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's been knighted by the queen, so maybe they're like, oh, he must think he's so fucking smart. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, uh, you know, I don't think he puts on airs once he actually shows up. I but agree. I'm sure it's like a reputation preceding him kind of a thing. For sure. Yeah, so this dead body is that of Bradley T. Hopkins of Hopkins, Snelling, and Rose solicitors. And their office is just upstairs, but he was found down here. No blood. He's really fucked up. He seems to have, like, come out of a window, which is pretty wild. That's, yeah. like, in that first opening page. I love that the window is, like, just a small detail of, like, oh, he came through that, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, the door was locked from inside and everything. Like, and like, it's then like Edward. A, I'm being very, I feel like I'm being very like annoying. Uh, I was no, going to say, no. it's like a, it's like a little mind, a mind. What is that old video game? We've talked about this. The game with the puzzles in them, the mind. Oh, Minesweeper? <laughs> is it Minesweeper? That has like I don't know. Like, you ever those like puzzles where somebody's like, they're in a room. There's a puddle of water under them. They're hanging. There's oh, yeah, walls. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what this feels like. Is like the, Those were like, I mean, like there were like flash games that were like predated escape the rooms, but they were just like virtual escape the rooms. Ah, that's what these... Just like, like old PC games. Yeah, like old Flash games you could like go on a web browser and play. That's what it makes me think of a little bit. Cool. It's cool. Yeah, it's a little fun puzzle that they're trying to solve. How did he get <laughs> what happened if he was locked in? <laughs> He's fucked up. Edward Gray looks back behind him. He sees uh, Lord Wellington. And then so like one of his business partners recognizes the body. He asks if that's who it is. He's like, yeah. 
It is. That makes three murders. You've been reluctant to cooperate with my investigation, but now, sir, I really must insist. So he has to talk to this guy. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, your associates are dropping like flies. We got to talk about this. So they go back to Wellington's place and you see it, he's got like a nice like ornate office and it's just chock full of all kinds of artifacts and carvings and stuff like that. A regular Trevor Broom. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's a collector. <laughs> he's got the one thing I do recognize on this shelf is uh like a famous sculpture called the Venus of Willendorf. And it's that little stout looking like female figure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I recognize that from art history. Isn't it featured in Hellboy 2, the movie? It is. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, we've seen the sculpture in Hellboy in the Hellboy universe before. <laughs> this is a much like more realistic scale of it. I think it is like about that bit. It's pretty small. Uh, Just like an old fertility statue, I think. But I'm sure... Based on that, like, because that is an actual, like, historical piece of art, I bet there's, I bet some of these other things on the shelf here have actual historical significance. Although, how the fuck are you even going to look that up? I, I don't know. Just got to take <laughs> art, just got to take art history for two semesters. Not going to happen. Again. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was neat. I was like, oh, fun. But basically... Lord Wellington, he's like kind of letting him know, okay, we went on this expedition. Yeah, we're all dying mysteriously. So we went on this expedition. I'll I'll tell you all about it. And, you know, we found an ancient city and basically like one member of our party got sick, like super fucking sick and died there. So like already it was bad news. Sorry, were you going to say something? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, I thought you inhaled like you were I, Oh, sorry. Ready I was to... just like, that's dire. No, sorry. Yeah, it's very bad. But um, Wellington's basically talking about like, oh, yeah, we found a city that was like super ancient. Imagine whole civilizations rising and falling before the coming of man. How would that square with your Bible stories? So like kind of information that would be like dangerous, I guess, to bring up almost because they're the like association between like church and state in England and stuff like that. Like it would be like like heresy i guess to to kind of point that out that there's a city this old yeah 100 percent. and it, it like it any kind of civilization before those times if they exist it just like it completely changes your whole world history yeah uh, it, power structure and so forth so it's yeah it's it's a lot it's almost like a cons- it it verges on conspiracy theory you know what yeah. i mean so but it's, it's factual yeah but yeah, it's something it's that cool. somebody might kill over yeah. Um, but yeah, he that's basically what he's talking about. There's a city out there in the Sahara a thousand times older than Troy or Asan or maybe Hypos. So one of those two cities they they stumbled across, one of those two Hyperborean cities. And they were like, whichever one it was, you know, we some horrible thing must have happened and killed these people off. But we were able to, like, go down into these caverns underneath the city. And you see all of the like some of the various like artifacts that he has in his office including the little venus of villendorf uh, figure and like the hyperborean swords and like just you know various like cool sculptures and carvings and they found when they were down there they found a skeleton that's like not quite human not quite animal yeah yeah a thing like a man but not a man and not an ape or any other kind of animal ashby was quite certain of that a proper Darwinian nightmare, he called it. Yeah. So, and he's saying like, 
yeah, that'd complicate things for the old Church of England. So, like, more <laughs> stuff that's, like, you know, some other thing that looks like it predates humanity that we don't want to necessarily unearth unless we unless it benefits us in some way, I guess. Yeah, because the um, church is saying that we were made from uh, one source and yeah. the image of a god, and this is saying, eh, there's more to it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I don't know. And then, you know, the, the one member of their party got sick that night. Another wanted to return the bones, but the rest of us were like, no way, we're going to go exhibit this and make <laughs> a bunch of money. It's going to be so great. More members of the party die while they're bringing the skeleton back to England. No one's taking a hint. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, we gotta just still bring it, doesn't matter. The skull has that kind of distinct, like, lower jaw, like that lo- kind of bat-like tooth, you know? The, like, two close rodent neat kind of teeth. Yeah. But then also, like, fangs, sort of like bat-ish fangs. And they're like, yeah, we'll have somebody make the rest of the, like, the rest of the bones and we'll put it on display and it'll be so great and then wellington saying that hopkins the guy who was found dead with no blood came to him this morning was scared to death we got to get rid of the bones so yeah we hired a laborer and he was supposed to get rid of them and now i don't know where the bones are okay so lay off me let me be (laughs) we hoped that would be the end of it He's like, and Edward Gray's like, well, what's his name? And he's like, Blackwell, Blackburn, something. Um, what was his name? And then as Edward Gray is like kind of looking at some of the artifacts and Wellington's trying to remember, Gray like hears the sound of his, Wellington's drink falling to the ground and he turns around and there's a little pre-human vampire looking creature. <laughs> yeah. Like just uh, crouched above Wellington's now, uh, you know, a corpse now. Yeah. Looks completely like sucked dry of any kind of like life force or blood or whatever. Which is wild because in that moment you're like, what just happened? Like, did he yeah. bite him or did it he happen like fast? Supernaturally suck it. Yeah. Like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like hisses and jumps. At Gray, Gray pulls his gun out, but isn't able to like fire in time. They smash into all of the artifacts, and Edward Gray starts, you know, doing like like a prayer, sort of like incantation, as he's like kicking the thing in the face and like smashing artifacts into it <laughs> Make, and stuff. Making prayer the coolest thing ever, <laughs> right? Using prayer as a weapon, and in the fight, as the artifacts are kind of being scattered everywhere and glass is shattering, Gray picks up. Or may, does he get a shot off when he? Sh- no, I don't think he does yet. Okay. But yeah, in the, I'm in sure the he like, get a shot. Yeah. Not yet. In the kerfuffle, he picks up the Hyperborean sword, which, when he holds it up, seems to glow with energy and it deters the vampire thing. Um, ah. And Gray continues to, you know, just say a prayer, basically. And, you know, by his power, I command you. And the thing kind of cowers and turns back. He says, Tell me your name, devil. Speak. And then the vampire creature doesn't speak, but Wellington's corpse, or, you know, what is, like, basically a corpse, speaks Blackwood, Donald Blackwood, and gives him the name of the laborer who they hired to get rid of the bones. Then the little vampire guy (laughs) picks up Wellington, chair and all, and chucks him out the, you know, like, and just throws him. We've seen a lot of crazy shit. Uh, at this point in the entire Hellboy universe. Yeah, I've never I'm, seen anybody get picked up chair and all. 
I'm putting that up there as one of the craziest little the it's moments. nuts. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> and he's like this little ape-like creature, you know? This yeah. Little, like, yeah. <laughs> so funny. And uh, Gray has to, like, jump out of the way to avoid getting hit by Wellington and his chair. <laughs> so it's very strong. It's, like, clearly a super strong little creature. Um, Gray picks up his gun, and he still has the sword in his hand. He follows the little guy, the guy, the little vampire crashes out of a window onto the roof and Gray makes chase. He kind of loses him for a second, but then the little thing hops at him from behind. Now, like, unloads his gun on him. There's like, you know, six shots (laughs) that go right through the torso, but they don't seem to do anything. The vampire turns into like vapor and floats away. Yeah. And he just lets out. Damn. And then we just see the fucking fallout inside Wellington's house where everything's just smashed. Windows are smashed. His dead body is on the ground, (laughs) devoid of all life. Then they take him to, I guess it like cuts over to St. John of the Cross Police Hospital. They're doing like an autopsy on Wellington. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, he's... um, there's clear signs of physical violence. His body, as you said, like, was hurled into a wall. It all seems to be done after he died. Like, all of this violence was done after he died. Gray's like, what's the cause of death? And they basically can't account for it. <laughs> They're like, we don't know. Like, it, you know, somehow he died instantaneously. Odd. And Gray's like, oh, so he was dead when he spoke to me. The The... Doctor is like, with all due respect, sir, perhaps in the excitement, you were mistaken about that. But, you know, Edward Gray is like insisting that he's right and that the dead guy talked to him and stuff. So is is he thinking, Okay, I I just want to clarify this moment for us. Yeah. For me, at least. Did he. So are we do are we to believe that he was dead as soon as he, he pretty much walked into his apartment and sat or he's been dead from the moment that you know what I mean. That no, I think he. Him. I think he was dead up until Edward Gray turned his back, and he was like, "Hey, who's the? What's the name of that guy?" Edward Gray turns around. The little creature appears and kill like sucks the energy, the life out of this guy. And then when Gray turns around, so it happens very fast. Uh, okay, so he's more so like interesting. I'm just, I'm just. So he was. I, I, I don't like know. There's why just I'm, some I'm supernatural I'm, shit going on, okay. basically. Cool. I'm just I, I I think I'm just thinking too hard because like when he says so that he was already dead when he spoke is he just talking about the very end with like Blackwood or is he talking about their whole conversation? Yeah, I think no, I think when he just says Donald Blackwood. Okay, I think that's the only thing he says cool. after he died. But Great. he also like um, Edward Gray was holding the glowing sword so and saying and saying like I command thee to speak with like you know, invoking the power of God and all that stuff. So maybe one of those things made it so that like, maybe it's like not all of the bodies would be able to speak afterwards, but like from whatever gray was up to, Mm -hmm. he was able to like get that information out of the body. And they're talking to like this other guy at the police station. He's talking about how, you know, blood wasn't there in any of the bodies. Gentlemen, are we not forced to consider the Eastern European legend of um a peer or vampire. <laughs> we got a, we got a first mention of vampire right here. Oh. And then somebody busts in. Sir Edward, we've completed our check of London registry. I'm afraid we're finding no listing for Donald Blackwood. Oh, that's a character named Phillips. Thank you, um, Phillips. 
Yeah. Thanks, Phillips. <laughs> so yeah, they're like considering supernatural. Um, you know, bullets didn't hurt it. What's what's the dealio? We hear Witchfinder being spoken. I assume this is like happening in Edward Gray's memory of the like the guy in the street saying it. Yeah. And it's kind of happening over these like close up shots of sort of like grotesque samples and jars, like kind of like mutated fetuses and stuff like that. Yeah. In like <laughs> in um uh oh my god, what's that shit called? You know what it is. It fucking stinks and like Oh, man. Formaldehyde? Formaldehyde, thank you, yes. That really was not in my brain. <laughs> you know, they're like floating in their little formaldehyde jars. So Edward Gray's kind of talking it out, saying that this like artifact is super old, and they're discussing how old the artifact is, the sword. Gray's like wants to hang on to it since it seemed to be the only thing that deterred the the little proto-vampire guy. Yeah. All of a sudden, a woman walks in saying that a boy came and delivered this note for Edward Gray. It's about Donald Blackwood. It's his address. It's on the East End. One of the other cops is saying, I'd advise you against going down there alone, especially at this hour. It's like the bad side of town or whatever. Yeah. We see like a little, yeah, a little drawing of it. It's like, you know, sewage fucking running through the street with somebody like passed out drunk in it and like, yeah, just kind of shady looking characters. Probably some uh, sex trafficking going on in this. Yeah, brain. some sort of prostitution going on down <laughs> here in the lower right side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we get this uh, professor in a little like another crowded office, like covered with books and, you know, 50 teacups all around. Like he's doing, <laughs> he's concentrating very hard, just writing about how, talking about like, gateways between the inner world and the outer world and he just like writing a letter an unfinished letter to ml sherman md and professor wf Lyons, sacramento california so just like sharing some findings yeah and then we see the creature approaching him from over his shoulder but he he seems like scared at first but then says thank you lord yeah very interesting yeah so he's like embracing whatever his fate is about to be yeah. Then we see the streets of the east side looking pretty rough. We have like orphans and stuff sleeping, on, you know, families sleeping on the street. Edward Gray gets out with uh, some other cops and they're inspecting the house, the address that they had on the piece of paper. It's fucking ransacked. It's totally jacked up. <laughs> There's blood everywhere arm? hanging from like the ceiling and splattered <laughs> on the walls. There's an, a disembodied arm in the middle of the floor. You know, it's bad news. Big time bad news. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, that professor who we saw writing a letter, eh, he's saying like, yeah, he's prepared for this like messenger of the Lord and here you are at last. But we see like the kind of unflinching stare of the vampire creature just looking at him. What's interesting, too, is in comparison to the one that we've yet to see or the first one we've seen. Sorry. Yeah. That one was like small, almost hunched over, more like um, uh, primal, right? This one that's appearing to this professor seems to be standing upright. He's almost more. I'm going to compare him to Abe Sabian. He's he's holding more of a humanoid sort of stance um, in a, like standing straight up more. And I think that's very interesting that the, the difference between the one we've seen and now just this glimpse that we have of one. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess it didn't really register with me that they were different ones. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just a curious little touch, I think. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. I for me I was like, "Oh, he's just like taking his time killing this guy." But and that's that well, that's the end of the first chapter, and then we have chapter 2, another um neat cover. Yeah. We see, you know, we'll find out who these characters are in a moment, but we see like another figure who looks like her life is sucked out of her, maybe similar to the victims, but we'll find out that it's um, just a woman who's able to like, almost almost like similar to Johan, like letting her like energy or like ectoplasm kind of out and be embodied by this figure we see behind her. Yeah. She's looking very like Madonna-y, like very mother of God kind of uh, figure back here. Yeah, it looks like, a, I mean, if, if I was just to get, take a guess when I saw this cover, I'd be like, okay, there's some sort of nun standing. Yeah, like behind. nun or Mary or something. Those, I like the ring of flowers around her. Yeah, her. yeah, yeah, and we see the flowers around the human figure in the foreground, too. It's, like, kind of spooky. Yeah, spooky, and I think the flowers make a cool, like, connection. I mean, I know they're they're connected to also being, like, you know, on the same page, but those flowers give them another connection that I think's cool. Totally. Very creepy. Yeah. And I, I just like the use, too, of all the empty black um, space behind them. Yeah. And then just they're, they're sort of the, just the predominant straight down the center of it. It's really cool touch. Hell yeah. Good stuff. Good, like, little hand gestures, too. Yeah. I agree. Her, I love the one, the nun with the, the slight hand on her chest and then holding it up. Yeah. The other. Um, I like that both these covers have just been full of, like, full, like a lot of cool visual mystery and like eerie like they just cause curiosity of like right makes you go like who's that oh my god i don't like i don't remember that from the other thing i gotta find out (laughs) yeah very intriguing covers and and like i like that they mirror each other in a sense that like we'll have we'll see later down the line if if this is a consistent thing but these two at least the the, what the image itself is mostly centered on 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 the cover yeah and i think that's cool that 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 touch it's great yeah Yeah. and then it opens up we get another kind of like establishing drawing of the roofs the rooftops of uh the east end of london here Mm -hmm. with rat ratso rat rizzo the rat rat is hanging up there (laughs) so gonzo um yeah we see we see all the cops like now it seems like more cops have come to investigate the the crime scene the obvious crime scene at this um address where blackwood was supposed to be there's like a picture a framed picture of a woman that gray picks up and kind of investigates a little bit but yeah it's like well is this our same murderer because there's blood everywhere here and you know gray tells uh phillips is this still phillips no, Lewis. Lewis, why don't you help officers search those gutters? I'm a doctor, sir, not a ragman. <laughs> Edward Gray hears Witchfinder again and kind of like looks up as though, you know, is, says, is someone here? Someone from outside is calling to him, telling him he's got information about the murders. Come alone, like leave the cops there. But he seems to be like, he seems to be saying it, but he's also outside, like maybe almost telepathically communicating with Edward Gray. That's what I, I feel like too. Is it's yeah. very, it, it's some sort of supernatural means that they're communicating. Yeah. Cause nobody else is like responding to this voice or you right. know, he's so far away. 
They're also very distracted by all the like viscera and gore hanging out around uh, this room. Yeah, they're like wild. putting the pieces back together. But Gray's like, "Yeah, carry on. I'll be back. Won't be a moment." They're like, "Uh, you shouldn't go out there. You're gonna get murdered too. <laughs> it's very dangerous here." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Uh, but he goes out and follows this figure anyway, and he's like, "Yeah, where are we going?" He's like, "Uh, just come with me, basically." We pass by all of these other shady figures, including like just guys who look like they just got out of jail. Like they, the one guy literally has the like black and white stripe. I don't know if that's like what they did in England. Yeah. I feel like they're like, they got just off a boat with like yeah, the tattoos. Like sailors. Yeah. They look like sailor, like just real terrible sailors. <laughs> yeah. The one guy has like a full face of tattoos and. The one guy has like this giant scar on his face. He looks like very tough. A prostitute that's seen better days approaches <laughs> Edward Gray and his solicits him. He says, no. Her veiny cleavage is something else. <laughs> yeah, they're, that's her. <laughs> when I saw that detail, I was like, what a touch. <laughs> um, you know, she's like all pockmarked and fucking looks like she's got sores, like open sores on her mouth and eyes. Um, and different women come out and solicit him. He's like, no, um, <laughs> and follows this guy. He says, what's your name, boy? Ro uh, Robert W. Salt Esquire, sir, late of Rat's Castle and bound for prison till I had proper manners beaten to me. <laughs> so, you know, this like little kid doing some bidding for whoever we're about to meet. Yeah, and he feels um, like this character in particular, I, I, I don't know if it comes back after this issue or not, but that language feels like it's a Charles, he's like a Charles Dickens character. Yeah, yeah. Like he's Pip or whatever from Great Expectations. It's like Oliver Twisty to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, this way, he's got a little top hat. Uh, mind your head. And he leads him into like this little half door that he has to like crouch to get into. Um, he's like, yeah, shouldn't keep the captain waiting. Captain of what, may I ask? Captain of most things at one time or another, replies the captain. Captain of ships, captain of industry. Come, so that's it. So, like, we're in this huge sort of, like, almost like storeroom that, yeah. or, that like, moves into a library. There's, like, big barrels and huge chests of something or other. And then just, like, a million books. This guy's sit sitting, the captain is sitting at a giant desk with, like, a candelabra on it and... You know, tons of uh, liquor. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you want a drink? And Edward Gray, like, takes it, I guess, to be polite. Um, he, he, the captain introduces him to who he says is Salt's twin brother, Mr. Bacon, <laughs> a guy who is, like, three times Salt's size, at least, like, this huge lumbering, like, eye-patched guy. <laughs> like bookends, don't you think? Gray says exactly alike. So, you know, just kind of they're like playing with each other and they take a shot. Then the captain explains, you know, he like knows too much, basically. Yeah, it's putting, you know, it's he, like putting Gray on like edge a bit. Yeah, the fact that he like knows he's so like, much. hey, I know you did all of this stuff. He basically like runs down Edward Gray's history. Like, I know all these things you've done. I've, I've been watching you. Bravo. Well done. And Edward Gray's just like, you know, things you shouldn't, Captain. <laughs> So like a little like not offended, but being like, what the fuck are you? Why are you investigating me to this degree? You shouldn't know my secrets, especially ones that deal with the queen and so forth. Right. <laughs> like top 
yeah, top secret stuff. And he's saying, you know, um, for a very long time, it's been my business to listen, to take note, to record the invisible working of our England. I keep her secrets, and for the most part, I keep her secrets safe. So he's just like, he's like a, you know, underground guy who, like, knows all the shady stuff. <laughs> underground scholar. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he seems, like, smart and uh, well-connected and, like. He's like, I'm a historian. Has all this information, <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, you know, saying, okay, now you're investigating these murders. You're trying to find Blackwood. Uh, yeah, but we don't have that information. Gray says, I was led to believe you had information for me. It seems not. <laughs> Strictly speaking, that's true, but I have a fair idea of where information's to be got, and I'm fairly certain you'd not find it your way, uh, your way to it without me. And that makes us partners. So they're kind of like, now they're traveling together with Salt, Bacon, Captain and Edward Gray walking down this like East End London street that's like super foggy yeah. and windy. The captain claims that Gulliver's Travels was based on him. <laughs> it's such a silly, like true or not, it's so funny. Yeah, it's a really fun little thing. He's like, oh yeah, you didn't believe me? I should have showed you the teeny little cow that I have in my office. It's this big, you know? And then they, they come across this guy sitting out on a bench in front of a house he greets them good evening brings them in to see his sister he takes some money in exchange to see her leads them into this like pretty well you know pretty like nice ornate looking house we see his sister here seated at the end of a bed edward is like super nice to her it's like they're sort of like flirtatious almost where he's yeah. like you know, very pleased to make her acquaintance and all that stuff. Her name is Mary. It causes his brother to be like almost quite like he says, like after they like greet each other and he's like, Mary, he's like, Queen's business, wasn't it, sir? Like, yeah, don't be yeah, fucking right. fussing with my sister. Right. <laughs> Keep it professional, pal. <laughs> and so Mary tells him. Do you like my him, Cockney, by the way? Did you like my Yeah, Cockney? that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling silly. Okay. That's no, I liked it. I liked it. It reminds me of like Mary Poppins. <laughs> she says she was he's like, "Okay, I have questions. Can you help us?" She's like, "You got to direct your questions to Zora," which the captain tells Edward Gray is her spirit guide. Then we see like framed pictures of the flowers that we saw on the cover. Mm. And then in like a spookier, you know, it seems like they turned out all the lights. She gets into this little cabinet with a cross on it, almost like similar for like for my Catholic raised brain, I think about like confession, confessional booths or something. I immediately thought the same thing. It looked like yeah. a confession booth. There's like a there's like a screened little window, but it's like just for one person and she gets in. And then from that screen emerges like a sort of yeah, like a sort of like ethereal, smoky, ectoplasmy substance that you know, kind of travels through the screen and then forms back into this figure, Zora. Whoa. Yeah. See, but I am come down from my master's short, uh, from my master's short time return to the earth to serve the brotherhood of man. So yeah, she's like, okay, you want to talk to a dead guy, a friend? And Edward Gray says, a complete stranger, Donald Blackwood. So he's trying to communicate with Blackwood through or find him or something through Zora. Yeah, he he's here in the company and care of spirits for his passing out of your world was terrible. So, yeah, like Blackwood was in pieces back at his house. 
That was him. And now he's dead and he's here talking to her. Edward Gray is like kind of worried that Zora is some sort of demon or something. Yeah, he's very like hesitant to trust. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And she's like, what can I do to convince you that I'm good? Take my hand. He says, if it's all the same uh, to you, I'd rather not. And she says, what then? He was like, I want to look in this cabinet and see what's going on. Like, is this a trick? Is this a devil? I got to see. And the brother's all, hey, sir, now sir, that'll cost you extra. Right. He's like just trying to make money off of it. I'm making it bad. <laughs> he opens the door and sees Mary's, I guess her living body, but she did, she's looked better. She looks like super emaciated and like dry, like mummified almost, you know? Yeah. And so Zora explains, okay, so she gives up her life force temporarily to, so that I can come into this world. And she's like, I know you, I know you, Edward Gray, you are spoken of in high places. Many faces smile down upon you. You labor in the service of angels, drink. (laughs) So yeah, she's like, okay, I know you're like a good guy, but just remember that a lot of people who work for God or in the service of angels, they meet a terrible fate. And then we see like, I assume a painting or uh, something, some depiction of a saint being skinned alive. Woof. So yeah, some martyr, you know, his like, he's being like flayed. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty rough. I wonder what painting that references. I mean, I wouldn't know how to like. I'm sure it's a specific one. Skinning, painting of saint being skinned. Yeah, I mean, there are probably multiple saints who have been flayed alive, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I bet we could find a little bit of researching. I'm sure we could find it. She also tells, Zora also tells Gray, a phantom walks at your back hooded its face hidden from my view and in that little like that's the last panel on that page Mm -hmm. we see her facing edward gray with nothing behind him but then the next panel we see this enormous hooded figure looming over him and it's pretty creepy i thought that was like a cool way to depict that where it's like to our to, to like humanize we we wouldn't see it but she sees it and she says acheron is written across the phantom's head to which the captain he quotes paradise lost he says four infernal rivers that disgorge that disgorge into the burning lake their baleful streams abhorred sticks the flood of deadly hate sad acheron of sorrow black and deep so the name of one of the horrible rivers from hell i guess yeah (laughs) bad stuff and zora's like so that's just like a warning. Just know about that. Then she says, Donald Blackwood and like kind of gestures and points. And we see the ghost, like the spirit of Donald Blackwood. He appears there. Grace says, Lord Wellington gave you a bag and told you to throw it away. Do you remember? Where's the bag now? He's like, I don't remember. I threw, oh, I threw it in the, but then we hear like huge booms, like giant booming sounds. Ooh. What the hell was that? Blackwood, Blackwood appears to be gone, and everybody's kind of looking around. I love that boom. No, I just want to interject. This is a, that boom. Blackwood is a dead spirit, right? Yeah. I love that the boom is knocks his hat off. Right. He's why well, I, I figure he like whipped his head around so fast that it like his hat went flying. But yeah, yeah, it definitely is like the force of it in one way or of the sound in one way or another made that hat fly off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then as the booming continues, Zora starts to like dissipate and go back into the cabinet where Mary is. 
Then whatever is making this booming sound smashes the doors open. The double doors like come flying in. Nothing appears to be there, but it's super dark. Then from behind them appears a giant version of the vampire, either the one we saw before or a, a third giant one. Yeah, it's fucking it, it's huge. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. And it crunches down on um, Salt's shoulder <laughs> and like lifts him up. Like, really bad. Like, it looks deep, you know? It looks like it, like, went all the way through him. Yeah. Oh. And then it faces the rest of the party and, like, hisses at them. And that's the last panel of the second chapter, Holy which is crazy cliffhanger. Shit. That's a cl- That's a good cliffhanger. Yeah. Shame that Salt died. He was a fun little character. He spoke, like, two times, and he was still, like, endearing and cute. Yeah, he was a very quickly memorable, like, little character. Yeah, God, Bacon I, looks very distressed when he's dead. Yeah, he's like grabbing his head, Bacon. He's like, no. Right. <laughs> I absolutely love that last page. I mean, yeah, it was really I'm great. Immediately one of my favorite like that. I'm really liking Ben's. He's doing a great job throughout this of capturing like the subtlety of, face, of facial expressions, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, the look of horror on Salt's face in this last page is great. Yeah. And I love the shadow, the way that he like depicts shadow on the face of the vampire creature. Mm-hmm. I think it looks really good. Yeah, I do too. Because he does like some hatching, some like proper hatching. Like even on the previous page, when the boom and the doors like collapse into the room. Yeah. There's like hatching all on the walls of like just a little light kind of emerging from the doorway and stuff. Totally. But I like the like very dark, dark, thick blacks that he uses on this last page too a lot. There's such energy and power just in that final page. Totally. That we worked up to and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I like this goopy kind of like ectoplasm too. Yeah, I really in general just love this fun take on like, because I feel like this sort of circumstance and like I always associate it just going to be like another classic seance where yeah. like the person speaks through them sort of what, what Johan did when he was a living man. And I love this take of like giving up your essence and then it forms this other ectoplasmic entity. I just think it's such a cool, or like feels like a very original take on a way to talk to the other side. It's such like, um, it reminds me of like alchemy. It's like this exchange of things of one thing for another, like, it's like there's nothing in the universe can be like created out of nothing. It's like exchange for this other energy or power or whatever. I think that's like a neat depiction of it. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. I think it's just solid work. And I think we already touched on this, but I want to just reiterate again. Like, I think he really like I'm going to compare it to I'm going to do a little comparison real fast. I think like. With the Lobster Johnson, the first storyline we read, we're like, yeah, they're going for that pulpy feel, but it just feels a little, like, clunky and, like, I don't know. It didn't have his own, like, it felt like imitation, more imitation for that style versus, like, infusing what they loved into their own thing. Yeah, I think I think Lobster Johnson is so much more cartoony of a character than... Gray. At least up until this point, from what we've seen, I'm sure, you know, in the BPRD, it seems like he might come back and be way more serious of a character. For sure. But yeah, Edward Gray's been serious. Like it never feels <laughs> yeah. like a like a parody of the thing that 
they like. It's like they're trying their best to do a good version of this kind of story. Yeah, and I think it, they're doing a great job of it. Yeah, like totally. And it also doesn't feel like they're just imitating like this old genre. It feels like Mignola is really infusing his own touches into a genre or a, like a type of. Uh, I'm, I lack. I don't. I think it would be called a genre. Like his own touches into this genre that clearly yeah. he loves, and I yeah, like. That. I think so. And again, maybe so because I don't. I have less knowledge about it, but it's. It just feels so fun and rich. Totally. And, and I like how it's just like totally very different from what we've read in Hellboy or BPRD, um, with again more more language definitely on the page, but it doesn't lose any of like the very kinetic images and things like that. Yeah, it still moves. But I love the dryness. I think they're really capturing in the language as well as that's what I love about uh, Ben Sambeck's art working so well with this is his 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 his, his way to make facial expression. Like it's not lacking. It's just he's limiting the facial expression that these characters use that adds really to like it fits right in with like what I expect when reading a Holmes or watching a Holmes. Just that dryness that like the UK and that those kind of things bring, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I like stuff like the way that he like lights the captain when they're first meeting. Like his the captain has like his eyes and like face is like half in shadow. It's like should I? We don't know a lot. We and Edward Gray don't know if we can trust this character yet. Yeah. And yeah, I think like little things like that, like visual depictions of that aspect of people's characters is really helpful and just interesting. He has like these deep sunken eyes and stuff. And we're like, is this guy like, you know, and he has the like the banter. He's got the chat where he's like has like clever conversation with him back and forth. That is such like a huge element of this kind of story. I think, yeah. you know, to, to the extent that I know about this story, it totally. seems like a huge element of it. So I, I, I think that they do that really well, too. And yeah, I'm just excited to read the next one. I am, too. And I want to point out what I love about what I'm quickly learn like loving about Edward Gray is like mm -hmm. he's a man of action he can pull a pistol he can like but like what he chooses to like sort of be surprised by is like very telling of his character and there's just an element I love so when that big monster fucking shows up and bites salt if you look at the crowd one captain is going for his sword the brother of Mary is like really frightened backing up almost jumping back bacon is freaking out <laughs> You look yeah. at Edward Gray, he is so just like assessing the situation and little right. no reaction whatsoever, just observing. It's almost like, okay, I'm gonna make sure I know what to do. We see him like, I feel like at the most his eyes will widen, you know, but it's like he remains pretty composed. hundred percent that's the stories, yeah. His eyes widening, I'm gonna point out, I love when he sees Mary's corpse. That's when his eyes widen. It's not when the right. giant monster shows up ever. Yeah. It's when he sees like, oh my God, that lady's yeah. just a fucking corpse. This was surprise. It's almost like he's just more like surprised. Like that's totally. not what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love that. I just think it's cool character stuff for Edward Gray. And I think that's what makes you immediately sort of like him. Oh yeah. Really fun stuff. I am also excited for the next, the continuation of this story. Yeah. Any other uh, final thoughts or any other images you want to point out that you liked? Oh yeah. I mean, well, I'm trying to think of suggestions too. I saw a couple movies that were pretty good Go that aren't like vampire related, but there's one that was like a horror movie that's on shutter right now called the power. And it's like a, 
these English nurses in the 70s. And I guess in the 70s, they would do like these kind of like scheduled blackouts, power blackouts to save energy. So she's like in the hospital with these blackouts happening. And it's like her first shift and like some spooky shit goes down. I thought that one was good. Oh, great. It's called The Power. The Power. Yeah. If you have Shudder. And then I also on Shudder watched The Day of the Beast, which was like. A bonkers horror mo- horror movie about a priest. It was the same guy who did. Remember when I was talking about that show, Thirty Coins on HBO? Yeah. Same director, but it's a movie that he did like at least ten years prior, maybe more, about a priest who has to do bad stuff because he's trying to communicate with the devil to find out where the antichrist is going to be born. Oh. He doesn't like he doesn't like doing bad stuff, but he has to do bad stuff. So it's like kind of a fun. And the actor's like really fun in that. Oh, cool. The Day of the Beast. The Day of the Beast. Yeah, it was cool. Before I get to my suggestions, I just want to point something out. Another thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that figure that's behind Edward Gray. I'm curious to see what that comes of that. I don't know Paradise, Paradise Lost enough to really understand the reference or the quote. But I'm very curious. I find it very curious of like the the first form we saw Edward Gray in, he was like a hooded figure among like the, the, um, the fairy world. And it's very interesting that this hooded figure is behind him and his outcome is this weird hooded figure. I mean, he reminds, just from the quote that they give us and like, I guess this tall hooded figure has one, has Acheron written on it. It makes me think of like how you have like, I guess I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but Sharon on the river sticks, the like, Boatman who like takes oh. the dead to the underworld. Maybe it's like this kind of phantom behind Gray is like looming there because Gray is in a dire situation where he might he might die at any moment, right? And have to get like taken into the afterlife or something like that. That's like looming over him. Whoa! It's it whatever it is. It's like ominous. It's like okay, that. that can't be good. <laughs> yeah, I love. Yeah, that. I think that's great. That's great insight. Yeah. I think that's super, that makes total sense. I love that. Something like that. I mean, I could be wrong. That's just when when I when he was saying that, it was like, okay, well, maybe he's like, you know, just you know, Edward Gray's times a ticking. It seems in line with what like the danger he's putting he puts himself in. Right. So, right. Very cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, for suggestions for me, like I would say, I'm just gonna do a really bad movie that it's. If you want to check it out, check it out. Cause I'd heard about it for years and I'm, and I equate it because this is in the service of angels. And this movie has involves directly angels and biblical times. And it's pretty, it's, I'd heard about it growing up. I think people like, like it's like a cult, like movie classic at the guy, the guy that created Highlander made this movie back in 1995 called the prophecy, which stars Christopher Walken as the, the angel Gabriel, <laughs> the archangel oh, Gabriel. Eric Stoltz is another angel. Vigo Morrison plays the fucking devil. Um, Virginia Madsen's in it. It's all about like literally a whole movie you have to watch. And it's like pretty bad 90s like uh, I'm, movie. I'm so sold on this, dude. I would love to watch this movie. <laughs> it's worth a watch. Some of it's insane and just dumb. But like it's very 90s. Get ready for that. The prophecy. And it's pretty much like saying like, well, the like. There's another war, even though like the war the Bible talks about of like uh, the angels get thrown down to like Erlem, not some angels along with like the devil got thrown down to earth and that whole biblical story. It's like there's a whole other chapter because 
in heaven. There's a war between angels because God put humans above angels. So now they're angry and they want back in and all this stuff. It's it's really like com- overly complicated. And then I love they, it. Yeah, I love all this it, dumb shit. It's it's, it's on Tubi right now too. It's free on Tubi. Yeah, I watched it on HBO Max as well because I was like, there's like straight to DVD or straight to video sequels. I pro I think I started one. I was like, I can't do this. This is yeah. so bad. Yeah, no uh, way. Christopher Walken's just classic Christopher Walken, but as like an angel and they perch, which is sort of funny, a funny thing about it. And they're like sort of matrixy because they like, of course they're angels, but they wear like long coats oh my god <laughs> you know it's it's worth a watch i'm all over it hell yeah some bad but entertaining <laughs> biblical like inspired cinema um that's it for the that that for my suggestion hell yeah with that being said um hey listeners we'd love to hear your thoughts on these first two chapters of in the service of angels sir edward gray Witchfinder. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on anything we discuss, anything you think we miss, anything you just want to add to and share. Your thoughts on Ben Stempek and his his art with Dave Stewart's colors and, and Yellow's writing, all of that. Clem Robbins' letters, which are all great on the booms. But we want to we want to hear from you, so please email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com to share your thoughts and get them on the show. As well as you can follow us um, and keep up to date with what's coming down the line um, each week on Instagram at awcrapahellboypodcast, Twitter, awcraphellboy. We will try our best to respond to anything you post or comment on or direct messages on there. But if you want your thoughts on the show, do email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. As well as I'm going to ask, if you can, please go out of your way to rate and review us. If you're whatever, however you're listening to us, that allows you to do so. But if you go out of your way to go onto Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review that starts with the word boom, we'd appreciate it. But we'll also read your review right here on the show, give you big old praise and read that review. We call that a boom review. So please give us a boom review on Apple Podcasts. Well, that's it for this episode. We'll be back next week for the next two chapters of Sir Edward Gray, Witchfinder, the first storyline of his own, very own, In the Service of Angels. Until then, thank you for listening, and remember... We love you! What if I forgot we love you? I was like, I love we whatever. Hello, listeners of Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast. Are you ready for a creepy promo? My name is Muriel, and I love true crime. I'm Nick, and I am not a fan of true crime. Every week on our new podcast, Muriel's Murders, I handpick a real-life crime story that I think will blow Nick's mind. Muriel is really enthusiastic about researching and telling me these stories, and boy, they are a lot. Some of them are famous. Some of them are weirdly under the radar, but all of them contain crime, violence, and murder from across history and around the globe. How does that make you feel, Nikki? Nervous. Are you ready to hear a story? No. Too bad. Here comes Muriel's Murders. So join us every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the original Muriel's Murders animations on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok at Muriel's Murders. Campfire.